everybody welcome to future of beauty unfiltered i am your host hannah cook head of growth and innovation and today we are joined by the amazing susan co-founder and chief brand officer of here we flow to talk all about life's messy moments now here we flow for anyone that doesn't know is a rapidly growing b corp with big ambitions and an impressive roster of advisors and investors uh, from the likes of Grays, Charlotte Tilbury, Unilever, L'Oreal, Marks and Spencers, and so much more. Now, today we have the amazing Susan Allen joining us, and I'm going to go do a little bit of a shameless bio because she is oh, such an impressive woman when it comes to her background. Now, Susan grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and received her BA in Communications and Legal Studies from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. After three years at healthcare policy nonprofit in Boston, she moved to New York City to join George Soros's philanthropy, the Open Society Foundations. While working there, Susan completed her master's degree in management at the London School of Economics in 2015, where she then relocated to London permanently to lead the foundation's work on diversity, equity and inclusion. After Susan met her business partner, Tara partner, 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 Tara Chandra. The two launched Here We Flow with a Kickstarter campaign in 2017. And the brand has been shaking up the personal care category ever since with a purpose driven, sustainable period care and sexual wellness range that offers shamelessly natural care for life's messiest moments. Here We Flow is on a mission to challenge shame and disrupt the period bladder and sexual wellness markets with organic and vegan products, including tampons, pads, reusable period, underwear, condoms, and more. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for joining. I I loved talking to you before, before we actually came onto the podcast, um, just about, well, firstly, incontinence, which I'm really keen to talk about. You know, we're, we're really, we talk a lot here at Pull about menopause, women's health, and actually female empowerment. Um, but what I really loved was this kind of ethos around life's messy moments and and actually it's a really fun freeing way to talk about these sometimes what can be uncomfortable topics for consumers um so it's safe to say that you and tara are set out to really create a dialogue um that makes a difference when it comes to those messy moments in life what was actually the pivotal point so obviously you met tara but there must have been something that led to you wanting to do this yes so we met um at the LSC we fell in best friend love basically right away um and as you shared our backgrounds it was not in business Tara had studied economics at Columbia and um was working in the music business so not nothing to do with consumer products or anything like that but I was feeling really inspired by our business classes we were going to the lose together in between class as one does and I was just like, we should start a business. We should start the feminist mafia. And she's like, absolutely. You know, she's another um, happy hipster from California. So she was like, absolutely. We'll always start a feminist mafia. What is our business going to be about? What's the money maker? And, um, you know, she couldn't find organic tampon. She's like, I have to go to specialty health shops to get that. It shouldn't be that way. Um, you can get organic apples, plant-based milks, all these things at an off-license at your, your local um, grocer. Um, and these products are, are even more important because it's for intimate health. 
we should have options uh, that are sustainable, better for our bodies, better for the planet. And we're both brandaholics. So we wanted something that had a great brand that was um, sort of had the tone of voice like we were having the conversation in the bathrooms. And um, we sort of cared about these topics because um, as we were doing the research um, for the business case in school, um, we found that all, although they were sort of like hush-hush topics, um, once you got did focus groups and got a group of, of women and, and people period in a room to talk about it, they couldn't stop talking. I, I mean, we were there to talk about tampons, but then we talked about bladder leaks and sex and lubes and all these different things. And so we found like what was really needed was a conversation about it and that there was an opportunity um, beyond the sort of like environmental change and the health benefits of using organic products. There was uh, a, an opportunity to sort of create conversation and and dispel some of that stigma and shame that surround all of these all of these categories. So this is going to sound like a really stupid question, but I love asking the stupid questions on this Thanks. podcast. Why is it better for you to have organic tampons? What's the difference? Yes. So, so with a tampon, you are your your vagina is one of the most absorbent places in your body, and um, while you would think the average conventional tampon is made from cotton because it's bleached white and it looks like it, it's actually made from synthetic materials like rayon. Um, wow. and those materials can shed just in the same way that a sweater or, a, you know, a polyester, um, shirt that you own can, can shed, they shed and can leave, um, those sheddings behind when you remove the tampon. And that's part of what causes toxic shock syndrome is it causes micro tears and then per, per um, produces opportunity for infection. Um, so when you use, um, our, our tampons are made from organic cotton, cotton sort of like closes in on itself when it gets wet versus, you know, expanding materials, expanding. Exactly. Um, and then those materials are also bleached, um, when, you know, create dioxins and all these different chemicals that yeah. are good for you. And are again in this absorbent part of your body, whereas the cotton is is just cleaned with oxygen, um, and so it's it's just a, a pure, more comfortable experience. Um, you get different performance, so it's not going to be as absorbent because it is an, a different material, but it's much better for you, and it gives you a much better um, sort of user experience. Because I know you've, if you've ever used sort of the wrong absorbency, and then you have to oh, got the rip. Oh, <laughs> Velcro! Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's not, it's not great. Um, no one can see us right now, but I'm definitely cringing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, and so that's the tampons, and then for the pads, again, that that's outside. But you know, when you use a pad and it feels a bit like a nappy, like our our pads are made from bamboo and corn fiber, and so those are materials that are much more sustainable. Um, and when they get wet, rather than expanding in the way those materials do, they, they sort of stay flat. And so you have a flatter pad. It feels, you know, we have customers describe it as a cloud in their in their pants. Um, and and so that that's where people are most obsessed. That's in general, the sort of period care market is like 70 percent pads and liners. Those yeah. are best sellers and um, incredible. It's I mean, thank you. I mean, it's it's amazing when you start going into the detail of something that women 
have to start using at a, a, a young age in the grand scheme of their life and actually the education around what happens I think this is the first time I've ever had a conversation with someone where they've actually said by the way this is what happens when you use a, a kind of modern day non-organic tampon and you use hundreds of them in your lifetime you know it's not a very sustainable type of product it's unfortunately you know there are alternatives out there where you can you know reuse things and wash them like that's why I think underwear has been kind of a real game changer when it comes to sustainability because you have the ability 12,000 in your lifetime actually is that how many you use shush per (laughs) woman that is madness and that's ugh. I just think they're all getting thrown away yeah it's just awful I mean that's that's crazy and so that's what we wanted to change in terms of sustainability where our products will biodegrade in um five years those tampons that are made from plastic essentially hundreds of years to biodegrade I know and they're just put in landfills and oh god that's really mad and I think that's the thing some of that dialogue there's so much while there's well there's a lot of dialogue going out there at the moment the education actually just for general everyday consumers it's not there even when you talk about sexual health in schools you aren't having these types of conversations um but I think that's for lots of reasons and one of which is the social stigma around that so you were saying about how you know you started asking people questions and doing kind of consumer research and once one person started talking about it everybody opens up and I think you do find that with women I mean I know I've had in my working life some scenarios where I've had an accident or whatever and been caught (laughs) off guard and I kind of don't really care so I just frog march in and go are any of the women in here have any kind of tampax or anything like that and you watch all the men kind of recoil and I'm like I'll get over it um but I'm probably one of the exceptions to that and that's not typically how a lot of people feel um so let's talk about shy buys Mm. So we've spoken a few times about shy buys and this doesn't really just apply to um, sanitary towels. So as a brand, Here We Flow is more than just period pads. So do you want to talk a little bit about Glow and XO for a sec and then we'll go and actually talk a bit more about shy buying? Yes. So Glow is our... um... Our sensitive bladder line, which was inspired by my own experience after I had my first child. Uh, and Tara and I were chatting as we we're always chatting. And I'm like, I could have used a wee bit of protection. We love a good, like, pun um, at Here We Flow. And so we looked into it. Uh, and so when we're considering um, how we extend the line, we always look for things that have that stigma or shame around them. Um, that can use some kind of innovation or glow up in terms of branding and that we can bring more sustainability to the category. And and as it is, it's sort of owned by two major corporate brands and they own the entire incontinence aisle. Um, And um, in doing the research for sort of like the customer need, we found that like it's like 36 percent um of women experience um incontinence or or bladder weakness uh reported to the nhs and so if that many have reported it then you know there's way more that aren't reporting it and they're just sort of like suffering silently and and so we just again just as we had done with period care wanted to produce a sustainable swap um for them to use Uh, and it's a great product um for 
um, when folks are, are pregnant or, or not using, or, or if they're aging out of menstruation, like it's a great transition product for that. And then EXO is our sexual wellness line, which we love to talk about. Um, so we found here that um, even though I think it's 49% of men um, purchase condoms, 38% of women purchase condoms, but almost all of the, the sort of advertising and marketing is towards um, heterosexual men. And so we wanted to create an inclusive product that is just for people who have sex. The tagline is sex just got better. Um, in terms of sustainability, I think this is our most sustainable product. So it's um, it uses a higher standard um, than fair trade. It, we're uh, one of the pioneers of the regenerative rubber initiative. And they work directly, like our manufacturer works directly with the rubber farmers. Um, there's three collection points to sort of reduce the impact on the environment rather than just being grown in rows and rows of rubber trees. It's grown in an agroforestry system with other symbiotic plants. Um, and then it is brought to the solar powered factory in Malaysia where it is then produced. Um, and uh, in addition to that, we work with a climate partner it, to, to then um, carbon offset. So when you get a pro an EXO product, you can scan and see which of the sustainable development goals you're supporting with your purchase. So, um, and we don't have it in the UK yet, but in the US, we also have our Naughty by Nature um lubricant uh and it is um and a organic and vegan lube that is selling very well whole foods over in the u.s um where we're with full chain and, and so again it's just trying to to break the stigma in these categories and it's so interesting i think uh especially in the u.s there's so much stigma around it that you can't even um advertise or do like end caps and things in stores uh, when you talk about, you can sort of talk about sexual wellness in like STI protection, mm. but you can't talk about lube because that, that's about like women's pleasure. Mm. And it's it's so interesting about how these things. So it's it's all seeded by the the patriarchy, which is why we say we're a funny feminist and fierce brand, um, and really trying to challenge these these structures that are creating the environment for the shame and stigma that surrounds them. Do you see a uh, difference in attitudes between the US and the UK markets? Yes, yes. So I think the US was probably a bit more open around um, periods. Um, just because it's, it's really strange. They're like prudish around sex, but more explicit so you'll have like a half naked woman advertising soap or a car but we yeah. don't talk about sex whereas like you come to the UK and I remember when I moved <laughs> over here it was so shocking that show where people are just it's like naked attraction well I'm like these people are just naked <laughs> nine o'clock at night so um so I, <laughs> I think that show slays me every time I have this question a lot of shift workers watch it because obviously it's normally played antithesis times and I'll say would you ever go on it and they're like not in a million years and yet this show has been going on for years it makes no sense <laughs> no sense 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean something like that. We we wouldn't wouldn't fly in the U.S., but I think around other categories, um, they're a bit more open. But here in the U.K., it was really the the drive against single use plastic that I think opened up the conversation around periods, um, as well as then people sort of taking note of period poverty. Um, thinking that it was something that was only happening in like third world countries and realizing like, <laughs> no, right here in the UK, there are little girls who can't go to school when they're on their period because they don't have products. They don't have period products. It's a real, there's there's a lot of things, even just women's health in general. I was talking to Tina Backhouse from Theramex the other day who really flies the flag um, at Parliament whenever she gets the opportunity to eat uh, a politician <laughs> for breakfast, she does. Um, all around actually that, you know, we are the majority. There's 51% women in this country. And yet there are so many things about our our sexual health um, that what well, well, we don't have control over, um, you know, no one, no one wants to have a period. They're not really pleasant experiences a lot of the time. Um, they happen to us rather than something we choose to have. And yet there's very little support or education around the best ways to manage those and actually even lifestyles that can help support less painful periods. Um, and I think, you know, that's what you guys are really doing that I love is, is changing that narrative. Um, I mentioned shy buys. The one thing I've noticed, so we we rewind many, many, many years to when I used to work in boots as a Saturday mm -hmm. girl. Okay. Now, I obviously, as part of my job, would sell packs of condoms and incontinence pads and tampons and towels and everything else. And for me, it was just a product with a barcode. And but what used to make me uncomfortable was watching how uncomfortable the mm -hmm. other person was and we always knew that someone was going to be trying to buy some condoms or some something else if they were lingering in that section for a little bit too long waited for no one to be there and then kind of made the dash to the till um and actually there still is this stigma um and people are uncomfortable about buying these products i mean look at incontinence for an example i think half the problem with some of these products is that they're quite pharma um and they're quite medical in the way in which they look and therefore it's very obvious very quickly when you look at the packaging what they are and the reality is you don't want to announce to everyone and their dog that you're having incontinence issues. You know, I cannot, the amount of friends that have entered an age of life where they're buying them for their grandparents and they feel they have to, they have to announce, oh, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check out point. Like, why do you think that is? Why is shy buying such a thing when it comes to these types of products? I just think there's so much, and, and so when, when we talk about that, like I, I say that I think it's a simple thing and it's, it's this, like shame and behavior even just purchasing and and I, I it used to make me laugh I remember this was how I knew um one of my best male friends back home was actually my best friend because we were out drinking and my period came on and I had to send him out to the store to get me tampons but it's like dude no one's gonna think it's for you because it's a tampon <laughs> like what <laughs> but even for that I'm like I I have such like clear memories of like my my friends, like they would run away, a boy would run away from you if you just pulled out a tampon, like from the pack, not a dirty, not a used mm. tampon, like just a tampon in the wrapper and they would run away like it was a bomb. Uh, it's, it's, so it starts there and it seems 
simple and silly, but where we're coming back to to women's health issues where people are suffering with PCOS and, and endometriosis and they're in severe pain, but because we can't even have the conversation, you don't know what is a normal experience, right? And it's doctors will just, you, you, so many of my friends, it's like they were having an issue and it's like, right, we'll just put you on birth control. So some of my friends were on birth control from 13 years old. And that's not a solution. It's like, I've experienced something. Let's investigate that. It's like, no, no, just take this and that, that'll that sort you out. And it's needing, it's it's feeling empowered. So that's like our mission is, is for people to feel crazy confident and empowered about their messiest moments so that you're able to advocate for yourself, whether that's at the doctor, if it's in the store, you shouldn't be carrying around this shame about something that's totally natural. As you said, we don't have a choice in this. It happens. And I don't think there's anything that men experience where they're worried about in this way, how much how much time it sort of like occupies our mind on hiding things. So I think it's it's like it's those early things. It's the language we use where we can't just say vagina or vulva. We're using other strange euphemisms for it. Um, that then sort of translates and, and builds up to this thing where it's like you're running around trying to hide things in, in the basket and going to the Yeah, room. it is hard as well. It's really difficult, isn't it, of finding that balance. I think as well, like you don't know what you don't know. You know, when you're when you're a younger girl and you, I mean, I remember when I first came on my period, I was in a swimming pool with my dad in a bright yellow cosy. It was Guildford Spectrum. And every time I go there, I sit with my son and I go, oh, I have my first period here. And he looks at me as if like, why is this relevant? But to me, it was very relevant because yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't have a female there to go, what do I do? Um, and, and I think because we don't have those conversations, a lot of young girls do experience that. I mean, actually, it's been proven now that um, some of the most extreme period pains are comparable to a heart attack mm -hmm. level wise. And yet we're expecting women to sit there in an office, in work, on their Stop feet. On. Yeah. <laughs> get on with it you know we call it so like one of the nicknames they call it is a flower that thing is not a flower it's a machine it pushes babies out of it and it deals with pain on regular basis like women really do go through a lot um do you think that the same social stigmas apply to female incontinence and women's sexual health as they do kind of um periods and things like that you know if so what are they and, and how do you think they need to change so I think periods are improving for all, all the, the reasons. And it's it's really the, the conversation has opened up and, and it's about education and just the repetition of hearing about it sort of like takes away that stigma. I'm sure there's still lo lots of men who, who cringe. Um, 100%. We, we saw that when we did um, our No More Period Dramas ad, which was like, it was a spoof on Bridgerton with people in fancy dress talking about periods at the, the dinner table. <laughs> and we got emails in that was like, dear sirs, this is the worst ad I'm in the history of television. I'm expecting your response, John. Like it's, you know, it was, it was really funny. So we we sort of like took the piss out of it on, on our socials and stuff. But it's, it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. I think there's a generational thing there. Um, but our main audience is really that sort of like Gen Zennial 34 and younger is our key demographic. And they don't have patience for any of this. They're just open. They're honest. They're fully inclusive. Like 
they care about sustainability. They're really passionate about values-driven brands. And they are such amazing um, advocates and, um, yeah, for these causes and any, any anything that they they feel isn't right. And so I think that generation is going to really shake up and change things um, it, on all of these topics. And obviously the periods is one that they're, they're experiencing, but when they get to incontinence, the change is coming there as well. Uh, and I think... I know there's a lot of criticism um, that like millennials and Gen X, well, I think Gen X has for them. Millennials are just sort of like, we paved the way for you guys. So I was just about to say that, that everyone ignores millennials. But for me, I'm like, they're the badasses that actually did something about it. Absolutely. We walked so you could run, right? Yeah. Um, I only say that because I'm a millennial. I say it to my sister all the time. I'm like, listen here, you. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's so, so there's like the, the shared criticism across the generations. But I also think that there's inspiration that can be taken from Gen Z for their, their bravery and um, sort of the no nonsense way that they're having this, the standards that they've set. Um, that it's not too late for like Gen X and and millennials um, to be like, well, we want different too, and that's what I mean, it's I, going to take. Yeah, I think I. I mean, we've obviously done a lot of research in this area, and I do think that Gen X, in particular, you know, they are no nonsense, um, and but they're a stage in their life where periods aren't really the priority because they typically aren't really having them, so it's kind of yeah. more you know menopause is they're fighting they're still fighting the battles that gen x um gen z sorry are fighting um but they're different that they're different things and i think that's where sometimes gen x gets a bad rep is that actually they're very vocal and we're definitely seeing this fight for menopause so you've Mm -hmm. kind of got these powerhouses either side where you've kind of got gen z fighting for sexual health and you know, period awareness and kind of, no guys, we're not going to pretend that this isn't happening anymore because this is something that happens to us every month and it is very painful and uncomfortable at times. And then you've got kind of Gen X going, hey, we aren't past it yet. We're still here. We're still strong, but actually we're experiencing things in a different way. Um, And I think, you know, incontinence is definitely something that kind of is moving in. I think, you know, a lot of things that happen in life, it's all about age and stage. Like with you, I definitely experienced a different mindset when it came to my kind of sexual health and everything else down there once I'd had a child you know you get very nervous and then as soon as you have a child you're like well everyone and their dog saw it during that process yeah. so I don't really care anymore um you know, same about anything now yeah you're like oh one more person to come in yeah come on in um but like I think sexual health is definitely particularly women's sexual health is something that is still not quite there you know there's a lot of influencers that um have kind of taken more of a stance to actually go no i am going to be promoting sexual health you know particularly women's pleasure Mm -hmm. um i think that's definitely something that for some reason is a taboo topic and there's so many women going well hold on a minute why is it okay for men to be pleased in this experience and women you know and it's so it's the patriarchy there's so much i mean we have these conversations we're, we're kind of having this conversation soon with our um research that we're doing but mm. I think there's double standards in every single category but these definitely feel like they are still lingering taboos 
and it's taking a much longer time for women to change that narrative in the sexual health side. Um, do you think that women need to be changing it or men? Like if when it comes to kind of that, yeah. where it, do you start? It, I think it has to be men. And that's why with the EXO line, we made it for humans to have sex because there's a whole like LGBTQ community that's being ignored. <laughs> My brain just went to a really dark place. Just humans. Okay, guys, yeah. <laughs> just humans to have sex. Let's make it really clear. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's, it's like, I think it's, it's just so much to unpack, right? Because if it's yeah. like, if, if straight men own the, the they can, are the only ones that can have pleasure that can speak about pleasure for women to try, you're like pull, trying to pull that ownership. It's much easier if they just relinquish it and we have a conversation about it. And actually, if your partner's having a good time, the sex will be better for everyone. One, and one. also the reality is the other person always wants their partner to have a good time because it makes them feel better about themselves as well. You know, um, they, I don't, I think that's half of the issue. You know, you were talking about adverts and things out in the States. You know, a real bugbear of mine is the, the perfume the fragrance category at the moment. Every advert, they're naked. You, like you spritz yourself once and then that's it. Everyone's ready for you. The clothes are gone. That's what fragrance does now, guys. It takes all your clothes off. Um, and actually, it's the same. Whereas this kind of I think, you know, even when you look back at some of the um, Tampax adverts and things over the years, you know, Mother Nature comes along and she's the baddie. And it's kind of it's this person. And it's like, well, no, actually, it's just it's part of life. Um, let's talk period pants a little bit because I it's such a big kind of range for you guys. Um, over the last 18 months, period knickers have really taken a life of their own, I think. Um, it's taken a while for, for people to kind of try it. I mean, me personally, same thing for a while. I was like, I don't know um, if it's the right thing for me. It always used to kind of, you know, you'd said about people feeling like they're wearing nappies. Mm. Um, I remember as a child in the car getting really distressed because I had a pad on and I was sat in this car on this long journey and I'm fidgeting and I'm getting really, really wound up. And my mum was like, what's wrong with you? I said, I feel like I've wet myself. I feel like I'm in a nappy and I'm so uncomfortable. Um, and when period knickers came along, I thought I'll give it a go. And I was like, why have I not done this sooner? This feels I feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, and actually, they've really taken a life of their own in the market with more women kind of converting over to it uh, as an alternative to tampons or pads than ever before. Why do you think that is? So they are really popular, again, with, with sort of like the Gen, Gen Zennial, um, a much easier user experience for Gen Alpha. And we're seeing younger and younger um people perioding from like age eight right and so you can can you like, i'm not sure even like my daughter That's two years like, older than my son what yeah yeah exactly and so um that's something that's easier it's like you put these on you can have take an extra pair with you to school have a little baggie that you put it in and then you can just change it so i think the appeal of it works really well i think lots of people sort of have the worries that you had but then once you you try them because we see those comments at the bottom of our ads and we're like actually you know it has these three layers one of them is wicking but like give it a try and see see how you like it um it's 
much more environmentally friendly, right? It it requires a bigger investment upfront than you know buying a box of pads or tampons, but I think it will change your life. Like I'm obsessed with them. Um, it's not just that. It's actually there's other little things that you don't think about with period knickers, which is that sense of comfort and warmth because of the fabrics and the way in which they have to be created you actually kind of get pulled in a little bit and there's nothing better than when you're really uncomfortable to have that additional warmth and support in that kind of area in general so there's something quite comforting about them I think a lot of the time you know people either love or hate reusable nappies towel nappies and I think that's kind of psychologically something that people have had to try and get over for a while as well with those knickers what um just going back to some of kind of the the data that you've seen then so as young as eight uh kind of experiencing has there any other kind of changes or anything that surprised you in what you've seen when it comes to kind of people coming into an age with periods nowadays so i think that because there's more education around periods i think people are recognizing the symptoms of of picos or endometriosis much earlier on and i think in general gen z has really rejected the use of hormonal birth control and they're wanting to do more natural things and so that's no longer an acceptable um solution for it Uh, And they're talking to their younger cousins and their younger siblings. So I think the open communication is being passed down at a much earlier age than like we would have experienced when we had our periods. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so a more educated consumer is just demanding different things. And once those demands are out there, then, you know, the the consumer markets have to react to that. What about incontinence? Is there anything you're seeing there that's changing? Because obviously it's a very different audience. It's much more slow. Like there's still so much stigma around it. I think it's coming. I think along with, like you were saying, around menopause, I am hearing a a lot more about menopause. And I think part of it is sort of like Gen X millennials are then aging into it and being like, Mm. what is this? Because think about what you'd heard about about menopause is like hot flashes is all anyone would talk about but there's like so many other symptoms like 50 50 signs and symptoms and then like perimenopause forget like my sister's going through that now and I have a friend that's going through it and it's like they they just don't know like you go to the doctor and they don't even know what they're supposed to tell you about it because in general it's like a lack of research I think the the broader community the the broader sort of like conversation around women's health you're then saying oh, well, actually, all these medical studies that we've just been accepting as gospel were all done on, like, men. So we don't know how it applies to women. Actually, women should take more ibuprofen because we need more. We feel pain in a different way than men do. But all the the testing and and, um, the clinical testing was all done on men. And then we just take that and let's apply it to everyone. Um, so I think that's, that's the other power about having these larger conversations is like challenging these things that we've just accepted, um, Mm -hmm. as truth, uh, for a long time, um, so that we can have a better experience, uh, in managing our health. I think we're definitely at stage where consumers are actually turning around and putting more pressure on governments and pharmaceutical companies to say, go back to the drawing board things have changed therefore we want to see things done differently and when they're not listening 
there's brands like yourself that are going, well, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And actually more and more people are striving for that. Um, what's been the most surprising piece of feedback or um, shopper habit when it comes to all three of your brands, Flow, Glow and XO, have you seen? surprising um i think it's something that's always interesting is when we'll have like sort of millennial or gen x moms that are buying for their daughters that they are obviously they want the best for their children um so they'll buy us but they'll just like ah oh, i'm nearly done with my period like i've been using whatever brand for whatever And so that's something that's really interesting about the category is like women's loyalty. And it's that, like the damage is done mindset. So I won't bother. I'm not saying I'm used to this now, but I really want this, this better experience for my daughter. And they don't only, of course, they, they like it because it's organic and the plant-based materials. Um, but they also love the sort of like empowerment conversation that's happening around it. And then for their sort of like teenagers have such an incredible like impact and influence on household purchasing. So sometimes they're buying it because their teenage daughter has said, well, I'm not going to use this. I'm not going to use Tampax. I, I want something organic because they care about sustainability, actually. So it's, it's interesting how the different interests sort of like converge and influence the, the, the purchasing decisions. and explain sort of like the behavior of companies for the last 50 years and why they always targeted like very young girls in school, why you get those free samples in school and all of those things, because then you're locked in and you buy that for the next 30, 40 years, right? Um, do, you, do you think it is sustainability that drives them or, do you, or is it more, they're far more aware than ever about what goes into their bodies? They're just more educated in general. So for for which for which generations? Um. Well, well, Gen Z for you is yeah. for you guys. So it really, they really, they don't, they're not really driven by organic. Like, of course, they want something good for their bodies, but I think the awareness of the climate crisis is mm. so prominent for them that that's really what will drive their decision. Like, they'll write in, and it's like. just making sure that we, we're not testing on animals to understand, like some people write in there, like, how do I compost? Like they really care about the sustainability uh, aspects of it um, much more than any other generation. Yeah. It's, it's really quite interesting. Whereas like millennials, the push was much more around organic and the use of materials that were um, better as well, sort of like a health conscious purchasing mm. decision. But I say across all of these things, Um, if your product doesn't work, then no, you're not having the conversation at all. So totally. we really had to, to balance that efficacy um, along with sustainability of the products. That's what we're seeing across the board is efficacy is the number one thing anyone cares about nowadays because everything is expensive, you know, and therefore they're like, I'm happy to invest and I'm happy to pay more. if I know it's going to work and do all of the other things that I want it to do. Um, retailers have really jumped on kind of the underwear, the period knickers and, and kind of the sustainable side. They're actually sold, um, you know, M&S next. Everyone's starting to bring out their own brands as well. Um, where do you think it's going to go next? 
is it still focused on sustainability? Are there going to be other areas where people are wanting to see it? So I think it's it'll be interesting. So we're the the thing with innovation, what we we found even with our early research is people don't want a lot of innovation in period care. Like just just giving them that sustainable swap is enough. I think period pants were interesting because um as we said, it sort of dealt with a problem that people didn't think there was a solution for, but it's still very difficult for people who have heavier periods to use period pants because they they bleed through them so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still a sort of a segment of the population that they won't work for that they'll need to use with a tampon or, or something um, additional. Um, that menstrual cups is something that I think people have kind of it's kind of gone up and then it's gone down again and it's it's not really gone anywhere since. Yeah, it's 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 tricky because for one, I think there's a stigma around that because when you think of being in a public toilet and then having to pull it out, empty it, you need to wash it if you're not in a toilet that has the sink in the stall. Like it's there's just a lot going on there. So I think for the segment that it works for, it really works for, but it's it, there's quite a barrier to entry for, yeah. for lots of people there. And then they have like discs, they have reusable pads. Um, so I think for folks that have like a much higher appetite around sustainability being much higher to their, you know, number one purchase decision, they'll do those things. But in general, that's why we wanted to create like a um, a mainstream sort of that, that had mass appeal um, is to help convert the the habits uh, of more of the public because most of them they just want to use tampons and pads and so we we have that and the idea was that if we are able to build a brand that develops that trusting relationship we can then say okay now try these period pants it might change your life and we can introduce other things Um, but where I'm feeling like there's needs more innovation both in the conversation um, and in products uh, is sexual wellness, actually. And so um, really in the U.S. is like quite a big conversation going on there. I think with the repeal of Roe v. Wade, um, there's just so much anxiety, rightfully so, um, around sexual wellness and reproductive health. Um, at where, yeah, there's just more interest, more conversation, more change to be had there. And so that's sort of where we're focusing our own like NPD and innovation at the the minute. Do you think XO is going to play a big part in that conversation? We hope so if we have our way. Oh yeah, (laughs) got some big visions for that brand. I think condoms is a bit of a, 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 a weird one for me. If I go through all my experience, it's kind of you know I remember saying to you well because men mainly buy condoms and you're thinking no they they don't and I was like for god's sake the one thing that they need to do honestly how are women getting stuck with it as well um but I think kind of again if you think around education I do really think there's something that needs to be done within our schools um and at more of a kind of formalized government level when it comes to just how we're educating our children in general when it comes to their own sexual health you know when it comes to you have the conversation about how to put a condom on everyone remembers the condom on the cucumber lesson where people were throwing them at the ceilings we all remember that lesson but then what happens after that there's no discussion about 
what else as part of that process like that's just one part of it you know i mean i remember developing a latex allergy when i was younger and actually trying to so like there's so many things where you just can't work all of those elements out so absolutely i think you're right there's a much bigger conversation there um and i was really surprised to hear that actually in the us it's probably a little bit further behind than the uk yeah. from what you've seen yeah it's um yeah there's just so much stigma around it it's really funny um so i could talk to you all day because there's so many different topics here it's so interesting um but i have one final question for you if you could give one piece of advice to all the marketers listening today whether that's people wanting to kind of fly the flag in the way you guys have and really kind of embrace life's messy moments um, and helping their consumers overcome it, what would that be? So I think just engage authentically. So if, if, if it's not your authentic voice to be out here with bright colors and using humor and doing all these things, don't try to do what someone else is doing. Like you should have the conversation with your customer, understand their need, but find the unique way you can address that need because that's what is, is most powerful and will give you your superpower because you're doing something that no one else can do. Mm -hmm. I think um, probably more true for um, like the large corporate brands that all of a sudden are like, oh, we need to talk to Gen Z and then they make some ad. That is so cringe. Literally, like, I feel like you've just seen into my day job right there. <laughs> right? And it's just like, oh, it's giving. No, don't do that. Like you have to find that route. And it might be that you you need to, to make a concerted effort to genuinely engage with that. So that's why I'm saying if you never speak to anyone that's from the Gen Z generation. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to sell you toothpaste. Probably Young not. people like cartoons. We'll put a cape on it. Woo! <laughs> um, so I would say like really lead with authenticity, whatever that is, and yeah. really like spend the time to engage with your customers because that has been really our mission to always meet our customers and our community where they are, understand what the problems are and figure out the way we can uniquely help them solve those things. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. I could talk to you all day. I really could. It's so refreshing. Um, and this has been an absolute pleasure. So guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions for myself or actually anything about life's messy moments in general, and want to get in touch with anyone at the team at Here We Flow, please do get in touch at podcast at the pool agency.com and I'll see you next time. Take care.